Welcome to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast, featuring Dr. Nira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne, discussing hot topics in sports medicine and society. We hope you enjoy our podcast and look forward to hearing from you. All right. Welcome to our UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, six to eight weeks with myself, uh, Dr. Nira Fundia. My two partners, Dr. Lansdowne and Dr. Feely, couldn't make it today, but we have the honor of having Kate Scott uh, on our podcast today. She is uh, the host, many of you here in the Bay Area here on 95.7 The Game, but I think more importantly is how she's been a pioneer in play-by-play broadcasting uh, in this field for a long period of time. The first female to call an NFL game on the radio, the first all-female NHL broadcast, and her games on the Pac-12 network. So I think it's an honor to have her on, and uh, we really appreciate Appreciate you coming on, Kate. Thank you so well, much. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. And should we start just by giving your other doctors a hard time? Like, what's up, everybody? So, so yeah. somebody had something better to do today? Come on now. <laughs> I said, we have Kate on. <laughs> so uh, They were like, I'll pass on that one. Right. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So, you know, just one of the things I think we love to have in our podcast is to hear people's story from kind of where they grew up and kind of how they choose to get the career path that they've taken. So if you could tell us a little bit more about growing up in the Central Valley and, and how you kind of came to, to choosing broadcasting as your career? Yeah, of course. Uh, So I was born in Fresno and raised in nearby Clovis, anybody who knows the Central Valley. Um, And I was a sports nut from the time I was a little girl. Uh, I'm an 80s baby. So this was way back before ESPN and sports were everywhere. You know, it was an ESPN had like the America's Cup sailing and professional bowling. It didn't have the rights to anything, but I was locked onto that channel all the time. Uh, So I watched ESPN all the time. I played every sport imaginable, soccer and tennis and basketball basketball. I ran track. Um, You know, we played roller hockey in my street growing up, just really any, any sport we could be a part of. um, I wanted to be a part of it. And oftentimes I was the lone girl playing with all the boys on my street, the lone girl, um, you know, playing with the guys at recess at school. um, And then eventually started playing competitive sports and was actually planning to go to uh, college on a soccer scholarship. Uh, Soccer was my travel sport, my competitive sport, won a state championship when I was a teenager and started traveling the country playing. um, And then getting back to what you do, doctor, tore my meniscus in my right knee, um, which at the time, was the rare injury. Everybody was tearing their ACLs at that point. Um, had surgery, was never quite the same afterwards. So even though it, it ended one dream of, I thought I was going to go to college and be a soccer player, it kickstarted and gave me a little bit of a head start on my next dream, which was thanks to an advisor I had in high school. I know you're so sad about this, Kate, that you can't play soccer in college, but wow, you, you know so much about every sport. You're, you're on our morning announcements. You're on the microphone at our football games. You should really look into sports broadcasting. And up to that point, literally my junior year in high school, I hadn't considered it because again, in the 80s, there were so few women in sports broadcasting. I was going to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. A bunch of my friends were going into teaching. I just wanted to impact kids however I could. Um, but then thankfully got pointed in a different direction and came up here to Cal and majored in communications. And here we are. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's a very familiar story we see in our field as well, too. You know, people have this experience kind of playing sports, and then mm-hmm. they get to this point where they realize they're not going to get to that next level, whether it be right. an injury. And then some are like, well, I want to stay involved, and how how can I do that? And, you know, speaking of barriers, one of the things that we, a lot of females in our field uh, face is that, you know, they get there, they played sports, and like, okay, well, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. And then suddenly it's like, there aren't mentors there. There's no one there to really kind of guide them along. Mm-hmm. As you kind of initially started this career, and I'm sure even now, what are some of the barriers as a, as a female you face to kind of taking that next step in your career or even gaining opportunities? Yeah, I'm sure there are so many comparisons. And I think you probably touched on one of them, which is loneliness. 
um, that you look around and even though you were used to it when you were playing soccer at recess in sixth grade, it's a little bit different now that you're in an uber competitive job landscape and nobody looks or sounds like you and everybody who's mentoring you looks and sounds like everybody around you and you're kind of thinking, okay, how am I going to figure this out? Um, but other than that, and I think because of some of the things I mentioned in my childhood, because I was so used to being an other of sorts, and that was my normal. Um, because from a super young age, my parents always said, you can do whatever you want, whether that's playing roller hockey with boys, like that's great. Whether you wanna play with GI Joes and Barbies, that's great, which I know these days is very normal, but I think back then, what? but they let me be whatever type of girl I wanted to be. And that was a sports obsessed tomboy back in the day. Um, so that gave me the confidence to then going into this field where, I realized very early on, okay, I don't look and sound like a lot of people. Um, I think that that just kind of innate self-confidence was huge and so helpful for me. Um, because as you said, I'm sure a, a lot of women in your industry, there, there's questions that as men, you don't get. Like, why do you want to do this? <laughs> well, why do you want to do this? The same reasons, like the same reasons you love surgery and are interested in it are the same reasons I do, even if I'm a woman. Um, you know, what, what do you know about it? You know, wh why should we allow you to be a part of this cool clique? Um, I'm sure same things. And I've learned the older I've gotten that this applies. I'm sure there's women listening in all different industries who feel this way, who are like, yep, in finance, yep, in tech, I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. So just kind of those questions that because of gender biases, don't get asked to men that get asked to women. But overall, um, you know, I always struggle a little bit with that question because I feel like I've been incredibly lucky. And I don't know if that's because of my upbringing with my supportive parents, because I went to Cal and because I've been able to come up in sports broadcasting here in the Bay Area, which is such an accepting open place. I'm sure it would have been different if I tried to do this in Philadelphia or New York. So, <laughs> as far as barriers, I've been really lucky. Yeah, it is interesting when we, you know, we talk to, you know, not in this field, in other field. I think it's, sometimes it's the day-to-day -day probably issues that seem to be more, you know, those little microaggressions that you feel. And it's not like this, you can't get this job, but it's like, what's the environment that I have to deal with? What are the questions that make probably the day-to-day -day much harder than the, you know, the big, big steps that you're taking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's actually really true. It is those, you know, I've worked a ton of jobs already in radio and television and print. And there's definitely been some places where I was thinking to myself, okay, how quickly can I take that next step? How quickly can I get, get to that next job? I know I need to be here, but like you said, it's the little microaggressions, people consistently questioning you and your belonging, or, or also just trying to make things harder because they don't want you there and doing right. it very quietly and doing it very privately. So it's almost like if you bring attention to it, people are going to start looking at you differently. So you just have to figure out a way around that hurdle uh, and keep going. But I think these days I'm a better broadcaster because I've experienced those little things. Exactly. Are there certain sports or events that you found to be more generally female friendly uh, in terms of like how you've been perceived or, or you know, how the broadcasting has been? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely women's sports. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because I think um, there's a lot of shared experience there, right? even if they're not broadcasters, even if they're basketball players or soccer players, they've been doubted, they've been questioned for the same reasons. And then recently it's been really interesting because I was lucky enough to call hockey um, last year for the NHL. And uh, I've called some high level basketball when it comes to the college game. And those players and coaches, and again, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around exactly why, maybe because it's just the culture of the sport, but 
basketball players just see themselves as basketball players, yep. men or women, same, same with hockey. Like I was broadcasting the game last year with a couple of Olympic gold medalist women's hockey players. We walk into the dressing room as they call it in hockey of the, the Stanley cup champion, the best team in hockey, the St. Louis blues. And I'm just going to stand back because I'm the outsider. And, and the captain of the team that just won the biggest prize in all of hockey comes right over to the gold medals who I'm working with. And AJ, Kendall, how are you? And, and they practice together during the off season. They're on the ice together. Um, so overarchingly, it's the women's sports that have been incredibly accepting. But I'm seeing more and more when it comes to men's sports too, and especially the sports where it's the exact same sport. It might be played at a slightly slower speed or a little bit below the rim when it comes to basketball. But uh, but yeah, that's been really great to see. Yeah, it has been amazing seeing particularly with the NBA and the WNBA, how much the NBA players seem to support and, and even seeing at the high school level when I see my athletes come in, how much the male and female athletes will support each other and, and have that nice environment. So it is it is remarkable um, that support. And it's so fun and so great. I mean, we can all flash back to high school when the girls team was cheering on the boys team and vice versa. It's just that camaraderie that I think helps everybody play to the best of their ability. Yeah. Do you feel that, you know, with, with women uh, sports in the media um, in terms of kind of covering more of those events. I mean, we see the kind of the explosion of females playing at different levels. And then suddenly you kind of see that loss of coverage at the college and, and kind of professional level. Do you feel that tide is changing um, that more that will be seen more on TV and in the media? Great question. I hope <laughs> people can't see right now, but I, I've got my fingers and toes and everything crossed. Um, because that's the that's kind of the final step, right? And it right. it is the ongoing chicken or egg conversation. Well, there there's no, there's not enough fans for us to put you on ESPN. We'll put you on ESPN News or on our streaming service, ESPN Plus. But, but we're not going to make you fans. But then, in the last couple of years, when they have, for whatever reason, because women were playing sooner than men during the pandemic, you, you put them on the the bigger networks with a broader reach, who just have literally more houses with TVs with their channel on it. And all of a sudden you have a million viewers of a women's basketball game. So I think whether it's been on purpose or by accident, the people who make these decisions are starting to realize, oh, I don't have to work on building this fan base. The fan base is already there. I just have to trust that they will show up when I put these games on. So I think we're getting there, but I also, you know, doctor talked to plenty of women who've been doing this for 20 years who say, I felt the same way 20 years ago, Kate. So, you know, wait and I'll see it. But I think because of what you just said, even though it shouldn't matter, it does. The fact that superstar male athletes like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Draymond Green are actively vocally supporting their female counterparts, wearing the WNBA sweatshirts, bringing that visibility and coolness to it for a lot of people, that matters. So, so I hope that we're getting closer than we were 20 years ago. Yeah, it, I think it really is taking that because, you know, you go to female sporting events right now, even at the high school level. I mean, there are money more fans there than at some of the male events, but it's taking that average day to day fan, I think, that, you know, that guy who lives in Benicia who's 35 and be like, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> watching that, uh, you know, at my seven o'clock slot. So I think, yeah, I agree. That's the, that's the next jump. <laughs> and it does, I think it helps because even I, for a long time, until I started covering women's sports regularly, had the stereotype that that's women's sports were kind of at the level they were at when I was back in high school, which was 
not as exciting, right? Slower, not jumping as high. The athleticism these days is so much different yeah. than 20 years ago. So if you've been out on women's sports uh, for whatever reason, I encourage you to take at least one more look because it's so much better and so much different than, I think that's probably because I stopped playing doctor like that right. helps <laughs> <spell> things. <laughs> whatever reason, it's it's really fun these days. Yeah, absolutely. You touched a little bit about people you've talked to who've kind of seen you know sports over the past 20 years. Who are some of your mentors or role models that have kind of helped you throughout your, your career? Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to play-by-play, -play, I'll, I'll start with a name that probably a, a lot of people, maybe even some of our listeners today know, Beth Mowens. Um, she's been a lot of firsts. She got to call a, a Monday night football game a couple of years ago for ESPN. She has been grinding for years when it comes to, to calling football. I know she's doing some Cubs broadcasts in spring training this year, um, but she was really one of the first women to she grew up wanting to do this. She had a Mr. Microphone, I guess is what it was called back in the day. <laughs> She's probably going to give me a hard time because I didn't even know what that was. I was like, Beth, that, that toy got discontinued by the time I was <laughs> But so she grew up knowing that she wanted to be um, a, a voice of a team. Um, so she has been so wonderful for me. Because again, I, I'm sure same in your industry, doctor, same in every industry. There's some people who are those first and don't want anybody to follow them. But she has been... We've been texting and calling over the years. Anytime I have a question about something that maybe I don't want to ask a man because I don't want to seem stupid or, you know, she has been that wonderful resource for me, um, supporting and pushing me on. I'm so excited that pretty soon going to get to call a Warriors game uh, yes. with another mentor, Mary Murphy, who is an analyst. So I know a lot of people say, well, how can she be a mentor if she doesn't do exactly what you do? But you know, she was one of the first people who unfortunately got paired with me when I was just starting out at play by play. So, you know, just watching, like I'm a huge visual learner, right. watching how she conducts herself with coaches, how she conducts herself with athletes, how she travels, like how does she pack? What does she look like on a plane just in case you run into anybody? Oh, she's taking notes on the plane. She's watching film. Oh, okay. That's what I can do during the two hours. I'm stuck in this tube flying me across the country. Yeah. Um, so I'm She's one of the reasons, and I know we'll get more into this, why I'm so excited about what's coming up soon. Uh, Barry Tompkins is another name here in the Bay Area, yeah. called Pac-12 and West Coast Sports Forever. He is just a joy, and he was one of the very first people years ago when I found out I was calling my first high school football game. Yeah. I just cold emailed him, hi, Barry, you have no clue who I am. Yeah. I, I'm calling my first game if you have any insight. He said, kid, let's have lunch in Sausalito. What, what days works for you? We were there for literally three and a half hours. They, they had to kick wow. us out. It was like, we're not refilling your lunch <laughs> coffee anymore because we have to flip this for dinner service. Um, and we're still friends. So, I mean, there's a ton of other names I could get into, but those are the three that jump out to me as far as really helping me get here. That's great. Well, you, well, we touched on the Warriors game. I was actually listening on the radio when Tim Roy came on and, and gave me the news. What, <laughs> what was going through your head? I mean, I could, I, we could, I could saw the visual on Twitch and I was like, wow, I could tell you're <laughs> Did just- Did it look like my mind exploded? As it did was, actually, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what it felt like. Um, my first thought was, oh my gosh, I hope I'm available because you just <laughs> out of the blue goes, hey, what are you doing on Monday, March 29th? Um, but thankfully I am, I, I am actually out of town a few days before calling hockey back in Boston. So thank goodness it worked out. Um, but just, I mean, so grateful and excited. First of all, grateful to the Warriors and 95.7, who you mentioned I work for, to, to say, yeah, this is something we want to do. Um, and then there's so many levels to, to the opportunity, right? Just as a play-by-play -play announcer. There's 30 NBA teams. Uh, there's radio and play-by-play. -play. So there's 60 people who 
typically get to call NBA games. So I'm looking at this not as an opportunity because I'm a woman, just as somebody who wants to get to the highest level can, still not sure what that is, but as a play-by-play broadcaster, it is so rare you get to call one NBA game. So I'm looking at it as how can I make the most of this opportunity and prove to people yeah, she's not just a good female broadcaster. She's a, wow, she's a great broadcaster. I, I want to use her more. I, I hope that I mentioned Beth and Mary, who's going to be beside me, but there's so many women, you know, doctor, that were ready for this years ago, but because organizations weren't doing things like they are with the Warriors these days, didn't get the opportunity. So I think about the women who came before me all the time and try to do whatever I can to make them proud and to, to earn their respect and, and let them know that I know that I wouldn't get this opportunity without all the hard work and crap that they put it up with. <laughs> and then also, as you mentioned, right? Like it's about the next generation too. It's so important to show young women that they can do this, to show guys women can do this um, because uh, I know you and I communicate on Twitter a lot, but it was literally five years ago and every email I'd get from a young college student, hey, I'm getting into it. Will you look over my reporter or my anchor reel? Because when you work in television or radio, obviously your your written resume is good, but we also want to hear what you sound like and see what you look like because that's what we're going to pay you for in the, in the end. Uh, and, and since I called those 49ers preseason games and called some stuff on on the Pac-12 network in the NHL game, I'm getting now so many emails from young women who are saying, hey, I'm a play-by-play announcer in college. And that that just warms my heart because that's where it starts. Everybody asks me all the time, why aren't there more women doing this? I, I was in college in the early 2000s. I didn't know it was a possibility just because I didn't see anyone doing it. So now just to, even if it's for one night, to let them hear and let them see that, hey, if you love basketball, this, this could be it for you. When you mess up your knee, <laughs> like 20 years from now, this is what could happen. So I think there's a lot of layers to it, but really just grateful for the opportunity. And Mary and I and, and Kareth, who's a good friend of mine as well, Warriors reporter, who's going to be doing the, the pre and the halftime and the post stuff. Just we're excited to, to just prove to people that we deserve this opportunity, that we already possess the skills and, and hopefully inspire some folks along the way. Yeah, no, and I think the, the play-by-play part of it is pretty amazing as well, too, because it's like the constantly hearing your voice, you know, and a, <laughs> a funny story. So my kids are always listening because when I drop the kids off to school, the radio station's on, and my kids have listened to the morning show for years because that's just what I put on. And my daughter said, wait, there's a girl on the radio, you know, and she's like, that's re-, like, and she's seven now, but she like yeah. hears that. And it, even that, like that little thing resonates with her yeah. because it's hearing that voice. And I think there's something powerful about play by play where you're constantly hearing that, which I think is, is an amazing, amazing opportunity. So congratulations. That's, that's thank great. you. Thank you. Going to try not to suck. Going to try no, to make no, sure. <laughs> no, but I'm that's sure. a, that's a big thing too, is I, I, it's great to be the first, right. As Kamala and other people have said, but let's make sure I'm not the last. Like, right. Let's make sure that I'm just the first woman to do this for the Warriors. And then moving forward, it's anybody who's qualified, regardless of who you are. Exactly, right. So kind of shifting just gears a little bit here. One of the things I know we've, as you mentioned on social media, you talk a lot about mental health of athletes and mm-hmm. the lack of coverage about that. And I think that's one thing that seems to be lost a lot in kind of discussion about players and teams and, and things that are going on. Do you feel that that's just like with other things, that's something that's going to be discussed more or that's part of the, the discussion about players and how they're doing? Or is it just something that people are starting to still continuously brush away about about athletes in general? Yeah, that's a that's another good question. And it 
it could be a bias because I'm in the sports media, but it, it feels like there has been a shift. Does it feel that way to you too? It um, does. I think it's even, even you know, one of people that I see, they're willing to talk about the mental parts. Like, Hey, I'm struggling with this mentally for my rehab. It's a question I get a lot more often than I did maybe five, six years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. And I think getting back to, you know, the male athlete support of the WNBA when Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan, when these big sports names talk about the fact that they are superstars and multimillionaires and they still struggle with these things, even though oftentimes our male athletes are looked at the, the manliest of men when it comes to, uh, you know, our culture. Um, I think that that has made a huge impact. And I think it's so necessary because we're seeing that trickle down to the college level. I'm so glad to hear the athletes are, are talking about it with you. I love that the guys that I work with, Joe and Bonte, are willing to talk about it as well, um, because I think it's so important. The more people that talk about it, I'm a woman, Bonte's a black man, Joe's a white man. Like it, it affects every different little portion of our society differently because of, right? We know because of the stereotypes within each culture and community. Um, so I, I know that it's easier for me as a, as a white woman, woman, the privilege I possess because of that, it's easier for me to talk about mental health. So in my opinion, I better damn well talk about it because I have that privilege where I know is, you know, my Latinx friends, there's a different kind of stereotype and thought about mental health in their communities. So it might be harder for them. I need to step up for them and try to give voice to that. So I'm really glad that we're talking about it because, you know, it can be just as, if not more damaging than physical injuries sometimes, because physical injuries, you you have the surgery, you do your rehab, right? Hopefully you get better, but mental health is, you can't see it. Um, so because of that, it's really hard to, to diagnose. It's different for everybody. So yeah, it feels like we're talking about it more. And I hope that we continue to do that. Yeah. And, and those same lines, when you kind of that line between kind of sports and talking about social change and mental health, it's, it's a very thin line. How do you, how do you navigate that? Cause you know, you hear ESPN is too far to the left or, you know, just, or, you know, LeBron just dribble. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a platform and it's very powerful because you're touching people through this platform that don't necessarily, you know, hear that message. How, how do you personally, you kind of straddle that line with, with that? Yeah. It's, I'm sure you struggle with this as well. It's yeah. a really, you know, because you're a doctor or you're a sports broadcaster, most of the time, first and foremost, even though you want to say, I'm a human, I'm a dad, I'm a wife, whatever. Um, but we all have to think about our jobs and our employers and how those things will affect them. I, speaking of shifts, I've seen a huge shift, obviously, in the last year when it comes to that. Um, you know, years ago, I felt like the only one tweeting about, I'm gay. I, I felt like one of the only ones tweeting about LGBT issues back in the day. And even one tweet felt like, ooh, am I saying too much? I probably should just stick to sports. So it's been great for me to see that now it's almost, well, why aren't you speaking up? We know that you're more than a sports broadcaster. We want, we follow you and pay attention to you on these social media uh, mediums because we want to know more. And there's always gonna be people who, don't feel that way, but, but it feels like that responsibility is now really there. And I appreciate that and respect that because I, I see myself as a lot more than a sports broadcaster. Um, and, and I know that I have a very powerful platform because of that. So I always try to be very thoughtful and aware that there could be, even though I don't agree with the other side sometimes, right. that there's plenty of people who make up that other side who are following me and like my sports take. So I try to be very thoughtful about how I say things. But um, 
I think, again, it's really important to say those things as we're learning because just continuing the conversation to me is the most important part. That's prob probably why I work in sports radio, doctor, <laughs> just because <laughs> there's no topic that's off limits for me. I always want to talk about things, even when it's hard, even when there might not be a resolution at the end of it. I really always feel that that, that is how we will eventually get to one is if, we, if we're willing to just have the conversation. Right. And even in our field, I've seen that that line shift as well, too, where that conversation can happen, where it was like same sort of thing. Oh, just go fix the fix the ACL and then that's it. You know, don't talk about anything else. So I think that even as physicians, the it kind of being an agents of social change, that's it's kind of been, you know, it's been a, you know, refreshing because, you know, just like with just like with you, we have a unique group of people we're seeing who may not necessarily be in it all the time. So it mm -hmm. gives us some opportunity to do that. So that's wonderful. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. All right. Now, totally shifting, okay? We ask this of everyone, okay? okay? What's your favorite Bay Area sports moment? Oh, my goodness. You're going to ask me for one. Oh, or, or a couple, whatever whatever sticks in your mind. <laughs> no, thank, thankfully, doctor may have given me a, a little heads up on this one. So I had time to go through the Rolodex. Because again, working in sports media, I, I've been so lucky to be a part of numerous um, incredible memories. You know, I got to be at the Ishikawa home run game a couple of years ago at AT&T Park. So that could be up there. But I, I always flash back, right? We just have a soft spot for when we were younger. And, and I don't know why, if it's in our um, developmental years that things are a bit more vivid. But when I was at Cal at UC Berkeley going to college, one of my jobs, because I worked my way through school, um, was I was a part of the blue crew for the San Jose earthquakes. So for those of you who don't know, we were the worst cheerleaders ever, because first of all, you shouldn't need cheerleaders at soccer matches. Right. And, and thankfully, soccer in the US has now stepped up to a level where there's cheering sections and the, the earthquakes have the ultras. But back then it was just, they were playing at Spartan Stadium. Anyway, so it's it's the playoffs and they're playing their most hated rival, the LA Galaxy, back in the early 00s. And for people who don't know soccer, you play one match at their home stadium, one match at your home stadium, and they do this thing called aggregate. So you add up all the goals at the end. So the Galaxy took the first match 2-0 down in LA. They're up 2-0. So they're pretty much up 4-0 on the earthquakes um, in, in the final match to decide who moves on in the postseason. And I was just being crazy, Kate, leading cheers, getting the stadium saying earthquakes back and forth, earthquakes. And, and I like to think I obviously played a huge role in this comeback. Yeah. I have no idea if I did, but it was the most raucous that I'd ever seen uh, a, a Quakes crowd and kind of a soccer stadium here in, in the state so far. And wouldn't you know it, the earthquakes came back and scored five unanswered goals with the fifth goal coming in the 95th minute of stoppage time. And this stadium just went freaking crazy. Knock off your rival in the most ridiculous of fashions. And MLS all these years later usually says that that is still their biggest, craziest comeback of all time. So to get to be there, to get to be leading cheers, I got to be on the pitch, the field after the game. Uh, that That is my favorite sports memory, just because it was kind of the start of it all when it comes to my sports career. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it is amazing how many people will use soccer, like they'll go back and they'll relive some sort of soccer moment, you know, whether will it be they? a World Cup or things like that. Yeah, uh -huh. it's, you know, you think it's, oh, when, you know, when the Warriors won their first championship. No, it's, it's mm -hmm. some sort of soccer event because the energy there is is so, so tremendous. So it is, it is pretty interesting how many people will, will turn back to that. That's so. what I like to hear. Well, I mean, that's one of the sporting events that you just have to watch in a bar full of people or yeah. a restaurant is the World Cup. I mean, that's, it's just such a communal experience. And I know that some people feel that way about other sports 
sports, but World Cup, soccer, 100% right there. That's so great. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this was great um, for answering all our questions, taking time on your schedule, and we really look forward to hearing you uh, next week. Or, yeah, it's almost, yeah, next, it should be, yeah, the 29th, correct? Yeah, so that's uh, 12 days, 12 days away. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. On that note, I should get back to prepping <laughs> for the game. No, but doctor, thank you so much for, for your support on the morning show. It's, it was great chatting with you today, and thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the University of California, San Francisco Sports Medicine Podcast featuring Dr. Mira Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. We look forward to hearing your feedback and hope you look forward to our next episode. Thank you.